Welcome. This is the Public Relations Review Podcast, a program to discuss the many facets of public relations with seasoned professionals, educators, authors, and others. Now, here is your host, Peter Woolfolk. Welcome to the Public Relations Review Podcast and to our listeners all across America and around the world. Now, being in the public relations business, you may have the need to be prepared for or prepare a client for a media interview. To have a successful interview with a reporter, you must have some training. Far too many people have been seriously embarrassed or damaged by ill-fated media interviews. Now, you may recall that catastrophic BBC interview that went global where Prince George's tried to explain his relationship with Jeffrey Epstein. Well, of course, he refused the advice of his PR person. Now, most interviews will not rise to that level. Now, my guest today can help you ace your next media interview. Deirdre Dickinson earned her BA in journalism from the Northeastern University and later, a, with a Ford Fellowship, she earned her Master's in Broadcasting from the University of California, Berkeley. She was a reporter with PBS in New York and later spent 16 years as a senior public relations official at Nissan North America headquarters in California and later in Tennessee. In addition to her multitude of other assignments at Nissan, she trained numerous senior officials how to have and how to manage very successful media interviews. Now retired, she's also a valued member of the communication strategies team here in Nashville, Tennessee. Deirdre, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Peter. It's my pleasure to be here. Now, from your perspective, and let's start here, and we can get into more details later, but what are the essentials that you believe are necessary to prepare to have a very successful media interview? Well, from my perspective as the trainer, I want to have some kind of a knowledge of what the people are doing that I'm interviewing, who they are, what their responsibilities are, and why they they need to be media trained, what it is they need to get across, or what or what they need to say in a particular arena. And so I'm preparing them to do that successfully. From a trainee's perspective, they need to come to the training, one, with an open mind, they need to also understand that their role in a media interview is very specific. Um, it's not something we help them calm down, and that's another thing. Very many people are very nervous. So part of it is helping them calm down. Part of it is making them concentrate on what they're saying and giving tips to them as well to make sure that their remarks and their comments are taken out of context. Mm-hmm. Now, do you help them understand that for all practical purposes, they're the experts and they're the ones, uh, I guess it gains depend upon what the, what the issue is, but they are the experts at what it is that they might be asked, uh, questions asked about? Absolutely. Um, I often tell them that's why we're training you, because you're the person who's the spokesperson, spokesman, for whatever this topic is. You are the expert. And so what I try to do is make them more comfortable but also make sure that they are communicating clearly. Um, As you know, many of the people that we train are in very specific industries. They're doctors, they're researchers, they're scientists, especially that group, who has a language all their own. They understand it, but for the most part, a person who is interviewing them might not. So part of our challenge is to make sure that we teach them how to answer questions 
in a voice and in a language that everyone understands. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the things that, in my experience, I tried to differentiate, but maybe put porters in two different categories, general assignment, which means they covered everything under the sun, and let's say trade, Mm -hmm. that they specialized in a certain area. I really looked forward to having general assignment reporters because that meant I could help them ask the right questions. I could help them take control of that interview and make sure that they aren't all over the board and asking questions. Does that help in your training at all? Absolutely, because the general assignment reporters have a much broader view because, as you say, they do everything. And so it's easier to give them an idea and give them a background to make their story better and also to help us in controlling the narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, it also helps our, the people we're training when they understand who it is that's interviewing them and they can take a different tack. But in terms of the reporters, they're, in my mind, they're the best ones to work with. They're also very curious and they'll dig a little deeper into things they don't understand, whereas sometimes reporters who have very specific beats consider themselves experts, um, and they're liable to do a much deeper dive than Mm -hmm. someone else would. Mm -hmm. Well, getting back to uh, uh, the general assignment reporters, that you can perhaps build relationships with them a lot faster in some cases as well. Oh, absolutely. Especially when you give them someone who is knowledgeable, who is, you know, who listens well, who gives gives a good interview, as it were, mm-hmm. um, they become a champion for what you're doing for other stories that you might want to pitch because they know that they'll give, you will give them quality people to interview and they'll get the story that they came after. One of the things that I always, in the, you know, you're right with the general assignment reporters, is that I would like to ask them in advance, what questions do you want to ask me? So that way I can mm-hmm. begin to prepare mentally and uh, if, in fact, I think the question really doesn't get to the heart of what they're looking for, suggest what that question might be and how they can come off appearing a lot better by asking a different question and then tell them what the question is. Yeah, very often um, you can reporters will supply you with their questions, and you can also suggest questions to ask um, to get a better story. Now, of course, very often, especially when you're dealing with the larger mega mark, major market newspapers and other um, outlets, they will not, or they do not want to give you the questions in advance. Mm -hmm. Their point is to kind of either get all the information they want on their own, or depending on what the topic is, you know, they want to shock and surprise you. Um, I remember when I was at Nissan, we had a couple of major issues, and I was working with outlets like the Washington Post and the New York Times and, you know, that kind of thing with very specialized reporters. And they really did not want to give me an idea of the questions they were going to ask until we talked about it and they realized, if you don't give me the questions and I can't prepare your interviewees, then your interview is not going to be very successful. Mm-hmm. Be- unless, unless your goal is to catch them or to make them look bad, in which case, you know, we're not going to do this interview at all. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, it will help you to make sure that their answers are very complete and you can build on those answers, but at least they're giving you the information that you need and that you want. 
And, and I think that's that's something for people need to understand at one time, and in some cases, that people always think that's what the media is there to do to catch them, to trip them up, to you know look for some sort right. of problem. And that's really not the case at all. And which also speaks to the idea that that's a good reason for developing relationships with the mm-hmm. media. Of uh, that really uh, pays t- pays benefits in the long run. Yeah, I mean, the, the media is, you know, they're not your enemy. And for someone who's giving an interview, they're there for the story. They work at this publication, and because they're talented, because they have the experience, because they've done it before, their goal is to get a good story and to make you look good because you are their interviewee. Your kind of your performance will also reflect on their ability to get a good story mm-hmm. and their ability to really do a good interview. Not everyone is a even if you are a reporter, you work. Not everyone's a really good interviewer, and so you want to make them look good. They want to look good, and so it really is kind of a win-win situation. And their goal is to get the information that they want, get it in the best <clears throat> way possible, so that they can write a really complete and a good story. Well, you know, one of the things that that I did, and I may have mentioned to you that I've, I was in radio and did uh, mostly uh, public affairs shows. And I would run across people who did not have uh, very good questions. So here comes an opportunity that someone asked me a question. And my job then was to say, well, fine, I appreciate what you're asking me, but I think a better question would have been, uh, tell mm-hmm. them what that question is, and then answer it. So I've, yeah. I've, <laughs> I've saved the day, uh, got what I wanted to get out, and, and hopefully made them look better at the same time. Absolutely, and that's what it usually does. And reporters who really want to get to the story and they're really serious and they're really curious usually accept that because, like you said, it's helping them write their story. And usually they have a real interest in people and they have an interest in what they're doing. But sometimes they need you know, a little more background that will help them get the full effect. Mm-hmm. Have you run across, uh, now they used to call them ambush interviews, have you run across or had an experience dealing with any of those? Oh, yeah. Those are those are really bad <laughs> <laughs> because they throw everybody off. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden you're scrambling to give a different story than what you were trained to do or a different story that you agreed to. And when that's happened to me in the past, I've been lucky enough um, to have the backing of my senior executives to say, you know, we're not going to do it because I'm not going to risk the reputation of the brand or of these executives in in cooperating with that kind of an ambush. And that really, I found that to be a lot of reporters who um, just haven't been doing it that long are kind of unsure of what they're doing. So they also figure this will make a name for myself. You know, I'm going to catch this person at something, and then I will become famous, and they'll look at me as a great reporter, which usually doesn't work out that well. But it is a very scary tactic, and you just have to be really um, able to say, we're not going to answer that question, and kind of drop it at that. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, and I think you're right. The people need to be prepared for those kinds of things. They, mm-hmm. they do not happen that often. I, hear people say, well, I have no comment. Actually, do have a comment and say, well, you know, I'm not prepared to answer that question now. Perhaps later we can get to it. So, you know, just to let folks know that you, I'm not prepared because I don't have all the information you need, so forth and so on. 
but at a later date we can get back and we can discuss that. Exactly, and it's letting them know that they do not have to answer every question and to give them that guidance. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, especially for people who are not interviewed that often, um, where this might be a new position for them or a new activity for them and they're not used to, then they're the ones, I think, that get a little more nervous, and it makes sense. Um, It's kind of scary being in front of someone who you're talking to, and you know that whatever you say, is now going to be on television or in newspapers or on the radio, and that can be a little intimidating. Mm-hmm. But if they know that you know you have also advised them with just that kind of a comment, you know, I'm not prepared to answer that question. But if you check in with me later, you know, or whatever, however mm-hmm. you want to word it, it gives them confidence. I think, and it helps them relax. In in terms of your experience, how much training do you believe a person needs, and that can be in terms of hours, days, or weeks, so that they become comfortable dealing with the media? I think ideally, each, any person that I train, I want to have them for a good three days, mm-hmm. um, if possible, because anything over that, and I think it becomes overkill, and they just get worn out with the training. Because part of the training is not so much me standing there telling them, and you know, I'll do that in the beginning, as you know, what we usually do. And then it becomes role-playing, and it becomes taping them, and it becomes interviewing them over and over, and then letting them hear it. So they can hear it back, and then you can go through each of these exercises with them and point out where they could have done something else or where they could have said something else. And that, I think, really gets to the whole point, and it becomes more intuitive for them and they absolutely become more relaxed mm-hmm. because I think the biggest and it's not going to it's common sense that you've never done this before and you are not actually an outgoing you know verbose person media training can be very scary and people who've never done it before they're very nervous so they get very tense mm-hmm. and so that's why three days if I have the work because I can get them past that that difficulty and make them more confident um, in what they're saying and how they're answering questions. And I guess in during that three-day time period, you can also let them know that, don't forget, now you're the expert here. You know, you That's have right. the information that, that they need, and you can help them, and you can help yourself by providing the inf- information. And if you have to correct them by saying that, you know, the information, that, the question that you asked me is not completely accurate, you can correct them. Uh, don't feel yes. bad about that, you know, because you want to make sure that it's right. You, and let them know ahead of time, hey, look, I'm going to help you, and, and we'll all come out on the, on the winning side of this thing. Yeah, and, you're, and for a lot of people, you're training, this is something they're going to be doing more often down the road. And I remember speaking to one person in particular who was the head of a big city authority, a big office in the city. And literally when I said, you know, explain, if I'm a reporter, you know, tell me what you do, what are you responsible for? And he didn't know. He couldn't explain it. And so that, you know, that becomes a whole other thing uh, dealing that you have to deal with. He could not explain what he did. And it's like, okay, so here we go. And I take the job and I take the responsibilities and break it down into chunks so he can now say this is what this office is responsible for and this is what I do to make sure that this office meets its goals and objectives. So that's very important as well. Now, have you noticed or any differences between how uh, men handle situations and women handle situations uh, in your experience? Is there any difference the way that they handle it? Yeah, I find women are a lot more open. They're a lot more conversational. 
they understand they're worried kind of about different things and then are you know women are worried about what what should they wear and how they should look and do they need jewelry or no jewelry you know men don't care about that but for the most part so women are more outgoing they're more conversational they're more comfortable in saying i don't understand what you mean can you explain that again Sometimes men think they know everything, <laughs> and then when they get in there, they don't. And they might have a hard time accepting that these are things, although you work in this job and you've been in this position, this is a new, I want to call it an event, mm-hmm. but it's a new position that you have to take on as media spokesperson. Maybe you haven't done that before. And so for them, I think once they realize what the training is going to give them, and how it's going to help them move on, it, it really worked out. Now, <laughs> as part of your training, do you do a before and after? You know, so well, for begin, right out of the gate, I'm going to ask you, let's say, four or five questions. And we're going to record that. And then we're going to hold off on that. And then, you know, we're going to have our training, whatever it is, two or three days. And then, obviously, we're going to record your final piece. And then we're going to compare the two so you can see the benefit that you actually got from this training. Absolutely. I usually do it a lot more than twice, too. Like, I do it once at the beginning, excuse me, so they can see where they are. And then progressively, as we go throughout the training, I'll show it to them again. It's like... I usually set it up in chunks of exercises mm-hmm. and we go through one exercise, we shoot it, then we show it to them so they can see where it didn't come. They weren't clear or where they might've stumbled or where, you know, they were looking around the room and we do that continuously throughout the day. And then at the end, they absolutely can see the difference between where they started and where they ended. Mm-hmm. And it's usually quite a big difference and it's a lot more than they expected. Mm-hmm. You know, I think maybe you alluded to it a little bit earlier on in terms of uh, how they speak to the media. As you said, if they're in some sort of field and they are comfortable using, you know, that jargon, uh, that particular language, be it technical or otherwise, that that is not a good idea, that they have to explain it clearly so that the, the public can benefit from what it is that they're saying. Absolutely. And there are, there are some people who just cannot get to that point. Doctors, I'll just use them as an example because their industry is heavily laden with, I won't call it jargon, but in words and names and that no one else understands. And I always remind them that their audience is not doctors. So they have to figure out a way to explain it clearly in every man's layman's language. And I'll go through it with them. And I had one experience where the doctors are doing great except one he could not, he never was able to get past talking to an interviewer in, you know, medical speak. Mm-hmm. And so he's very difficult to set up for an interview because no matter how wonderful the project is or important or interesting that he's trying to explain, he can't because no one knows what he's saying. So he was, you know, not a good candidate for any kind of interviews in that field for the subject we were training for. But so that's very important that those kinds of interviewees who were used to speaking within themselves, within their own industries and within their, their comrades have to know how to break down that information they have into language that everyone can understand. Mm-hmm. You know, as I listened to you, I think years ago when I was uh, with one government agency, the head of the department insisted that they could handle this particular media interview. Uh, it happened to happened to be about an accident that happened, though, maybe a day or so before 
and uh, uh-huh. you know, not to bring in the uh, the guy who was intimately involved in it. I guess because his vanity got got in the way. And uh, once those questions started coming, and he started coughing and clearing his throat and looking around, <laughs> you know that he was in trouble. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> that's that's where the PR person knows, and it's time to go and get that that person who was actually there and bring them in and save the day. And and that's technically really what happened. We had to have yeah. the, the senior person stand aside so that the person who was basically on the scene could actually answer those questions to the to the satisfaction of reporters. And, you know, people have to get over sometimes with their vanity to make sure that we get it and get it right because of the consequences could be very, very embarrassing if you don't. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it can be disastrous if you are so concerned with your being the only person who can talk about a topic. Very often, sometimes, that's a a power struggle. You know, I am the head of this department or this agency, and therefore I should talk when there may be someone else in your agency who can do a much better job. Mm -hmm. But because of, of, like you said, vanity, you don't want to give this other person this particular assignment, which is, you know, it doesn't work for them. It goes against all of their best interests. And like you said, it comes out, it's a disaster. But it's important, number one, it's so important that the people who are being trained also trust their PR consultants. Mm -hmm. We're there for a reason. We're there to work with you and make you look better, not to make you look bad. But you have to also trust that we have the expertise. So if we give you a direction, we're doing it so that you come out on the top and that your story, your whatever it is, comes out as best as, comes out best as possible. And that's, I think, a struggle we all go through is, is to earn that trust, especially with your executives if you're at a big company, mm-hmm. that you're doing, that you know what you're doing, you're doing the best for them, and that you are teaching them the best ways to deal with certain topics. You know, as I listen to that, one of the things I just thought about is that uh, perhaps the PR team or the PR person who has had that experience with the executives should collect, uh, and I'm sure you can find them on the internet, YouTube, and so forth, uh, some of those hugely embarrassing interviews that people have had. And yes. here are the consequences of not having the training. Don't take my word for it. Let me show you this. Yes, exactly. And I've come across many of them and kind of, you know, put them aside to use in media training because there's nothing that works better. Now in the age of Internet, you know, we can do this. We couldn't do mm-hmm. this before. And it's great to have these clips to show people. And it's always this kind of look of amazement comes over them. <laughs> and... <laughs> And it's sort of like an, oh, my gosh, I can't even imagine being that person. That was horrible. I said, yes, and this, too, can happen to you mm-hmm. if you don't take the training seriously and, and do the best you can and understand why we're here so that that doesn't happen to you. Because once it does, it's the world of the Internet. It will never go away. That's right. And, you know, and yeah. you can flip that with them. And like saying about, you know, being a very positive, positive and thoughtful and accurate person in your interview, that certainly adds to your bona fides, so to speak. You know, it's well-spoken, well-thought-out mm-hmm. that you did understand what the issue was. You did explain it clearly. And it reflects on you as a leader to have done it the right way. Exactly. And and what also can happen with these people who are doing these interviews that come across very well is 
this is where when the media is looking for an expert in a specific area, they'll think of you. Mm-hmm. When they need someone to be on a panel or something, they'll think of you. So the better that you do, if you're prepared and you do this well, you can also start commenting on a lot of other things and it, it widens your area of influence as well. Mm-hmm. Well, Deirdre, you have provided us with an awful lot of great information, and uh, I'm sure our listeners will certainly appreciate it. Uh, appreciate that. Any closing words or advice that you might have to give? I would. I would say for anyone who is thinking about um, or is involved in a certain industry where they think they need to start doing interviews or when they're here, they're going to do interviews, get some media training. It's something that is so worth the time, so worth the effort, so worth any kind of money that you have to spend for it because this will provide you with a basis to go on and use that training in many other arenas and it can only help bring the interest further into what you're doing, what your company does, and in your field of interest. Well, Deirdre Dickerson, thank you so very, very much uh, for all of that uh, valuable information. And to our listeners, let me say that I certainly hope that you put this good information to use so that you can ace your next media interview. And also, if you enjoy the show, please, we'd like to get a recommendation from you. So don't forget, listen to us for the next edition of the Public Relations Review. This podcast is produced by Communication Strategies an award-winning public relations and public affairs firm headquartered in Nashville, Tennessee. Thank you for joining us.